Uh, the reading of the scriptures from Genesis chapter 32, reading verses 1 to 21. May God give us grace both in the reading and the hearing of his word to do so in faith. So from Genesis 32. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. So we call the name of that place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, instructing them, Thus shall you say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed unto now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, and female servants. I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I may find favor in your sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you. And there are four hundred men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and camels into two camps, thinking, If Esau comes to the one camp and attacks it, then the camp that is left will escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant, For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me, the mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good, and make your offering, offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. So we stayed there that night. And from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. These he handed over to his servants, uh, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass on ahead of me and put a space between drove and drove. And he instructed the first, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, to whom do you belong, where are you going, and whose are these ahead of you, then you shall say, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a present sit to my lord Esau, and moreover he is behind us. He likewise instructed the second and the third and all who followed the droves. You shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us, for he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me, and afterwards I will see his face, perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed that night in the camp. And that's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to join me again for a time of prayer. Father, again we come to you in praise and adoration and thanksgiving for the uh, multitude of kindness shown to each of us because of your eternal love and kindness. We thank you for the gift of salvation we have in the Son and for the gift of the Holy Spirit, uh, for your fatherly care. 
in giving us our daily bread and all things needful for life and godliness. Uh, take what we have brought to you today in offering to advance the kingdom of heaven and the welfare of others. Uh, we do pray this morning, remember the sick, the infirm, those who are shut in and cannot be with us, but you are near to them. Uh, lift them up and encourage them. Uh, for those uh, today fearful about something, some circumstance of life, uh, give them the peace that passes understanding as well as those who may be grieving some event of life. Uh, for those uh, perplexed about the future, guide them. Again, give them a sense of peace of, that you have prepared for them a way forward and a place of provision. Uh, we earnestly pray for our children and grandchildren, uh, for your salvation for them, that they would become uh, mighty in faith. Uh, we live in a fallen and dangerous world. We do ask for your protection from disease and the spread of lawlessness. Uh, help us as a congregation and individually to be salt and light in the places where you have put us and in these times. I do remember um, our uh, missionary friend, Yupoki, uh, living in a place engaged in war in the Congo. Uh, as he has asked for prayer, uh, watch over the displaced people, the homeless the, among your people, those uh, facing hunger and cold. Uh, provide every provision for them, but mainly that they might live in the hope of the life eternal. Uh, and we pray this for those in distant lands. And now, Father, our great desire is to meet with you in your word. Uh, thank you for uh, you know, Phil, his love for you, his devotion to teach your word. And we pray that uh, the Spirit might uh, go forth with the word and give us uh, eyes to see and ears to hear and heart seeking to learn and to obey uh, for the great honor and blessing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. Thy will be done. Lord, hear our prayers. Uh, there's always uh, a great deal to fear about life. Uh, there's always something that we, at different times in life, we're profoundly anxious uh, over. Um, and sometimes that fear and that anxiety can uh, become debilitating and destructive. Uh, and I would admit there's a lot to be afraid of. Um, I, I have this personal saying in my own Christian faith that uh, we um, we swim with the sharks. Uh, what I mean by that is that the world is full of predators. Uh, and they're not just outside the church. They are within the church. Uh, and uh, uh, the violence they bring, of course, is, is terrifying. And yet, uh, the great hope of the Scriptures is uh, we have God who is always with us. And that is a lesson that's going to be reaffirmed in Jacob's life as he uh, goes to meet um, his brother, of whom he is absolutely terrified. Uh, we begin in the text, the first two verses, that uh, God is a countervailing force to all of our fears. Uh, 
if you're alive, and I know you are, you're going to be afraid in life, and you're going to be anxious. That's just part of life. Uh, by the way, the absence of fear and anxiety is a state called death. Um, but the countervailing force to all of our fears, to everything we're anxious over, is the fact that God is with us. So contextually, Jacob is leaving his 20-year period of discipline with Laban. Uh, I remind you, it was a, it was a time in his life uh, that I might call something akin to wilderness years, uh, but God was disciplining him because of his uh, deception that he affected upon his own father. And to remind to all of us that uh, God disciplines his sons whom he loves, his daughters whom he loves. And uh, in this case, it's a 20-year uh, course uh, that Jacob is undergoing. And as he leaves, he knows he will eventually have to encounter his brother Esau, whom he lied to and whom he tricked. And that's a, a major source of his fear and anxiety. Uh, more importantly, Esau uh, was a skilled warrior. And we know that because he was a skilled hunter. And so he, his, uh, his warcraft uh, was much more profoundly honed than, of course, Esau's. Uh, pardon me, Jacob's. What's even worse is that Esau uh, had threatened to kill him. That's why he fled to go to Laban's. He fled because his brother had threatened to kill him. Uh, so on the way, uh, something interesting happens. Uh, God shows up. I know we live in a culture, certainly in the church, where we think uh, God always in some profound way shows up in our life. But if you look at the patriarchs, it's on strategic uh, occasions that God shows up. Uh, more particularly, the angels of God meet him. Uh, there is a parallel to this uh, that I think is quite important. As you know, when Jabin, uh, Jacob was fleeing his uh, the wrath of his brother uh, at the warning of his uh, mother and his father, uh, chapter 28, uh, he, has a, he has a dream. And uh, the dream is a great ladder that extends up in the heaven and the angels are coming and going up and down the ladder. I believe that heaven has dispatched the forces of the angels to guard him and then report back to God as to their success. It's an early reminder that uh, God was going to protect him. Even, even in his disciplinary period of 20 years, uh, of whom his father-in-law is going to deceive him and trick him and lie to him and cheat him, God's going to protect him. By the way, the reason he's going through that disciplinary occasion is because he had lied and cheated and deceived his father and his brother. Good reminder. Uh, I love, uh, very fond of uh, Psalm 34-7. Uh, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. 
regardless of your station in life, uh, God is uh, near and with you. Uh, the psalmist goes on to say, and rescues them. That's what God does. He always rescues his own. None are lost. So when he sees uh, the angels, Jacob said, well, this is God's camp. If you look at, <clears throat> look at verse 2, this is, this is the exact same. This is God's camp. Uh, the word for camp is uh, used in the scriptures of the encampment of an army. The King James uh, translates it uh, host, uh, the host of God. Uh, and I, I take it that way here. It is a host. It's the armies of God who have come to protect Jacob. We oftentimes uh, read in the scriptures that God is the Lord of hosts. In other words, he is command of every army that's ever marched, navy that's ever sailed. Coast Guard that has ever protected the borders of the country they've sworn to protect. God is in command of them all. Not just of friendly forces, but of enemy forces. But see, he commands everything. Because that's who God is, the Lord of hosts. And so there's an encampment that's come uh, to, uh, to Jacob, camps next to him. It's the armies of God. Uh, the meeting prompts him to name the place Mahakanaim, literally two camps. So think about it in this way. Uh, what's what's uh, the composition of Jacob's camp? Well, there's a lot of women and children, servants and flocks and herds. Yeah. Jacob. Uh, but God's camp is armed and dangerous right next to his. A reminder that he's under the protection of the great God of heaven. Uh, you and I on occasions... Uh, I read uh, perhaps uh, the most well-known psalm, Psalm 23, uh, where God says to David, my rod and my staff, they comfort you. Uh, in other words, uh, our shepherd is armed and dangerous, always protecting his own, because that's what God does, protects his own. Uh, it's our reminder that God delivers. He always delivers. That's who God is, and that's what he does for those who are his sons and daughters. Uh, nonetheless, uh, regardless of the fact that uh, he has an armed guard on his transit back to the land, he does what you and I oftentimes do. He's still afraid. Uh, the promise is just simply you know, perhaps not enough. So Jacob is afraid nonetheless and plans for his protection, verses 3 to 8. He sends his messengers to Esau to offer gifts and find favor with him and attempt to uh, appease him, uh, and the messengers come back saying, Esau is coming to meet you with 400 men. I think they are 400 armed men, because that's the kind of men Esau would run with. He was a skilled archer. And so, uh, 400 men. Uh, in army language, that uh, that is a battalion. Uh, Jacob is virtually alone. He's going to confront a battalion of armed armed and skilled warriors. So he has a great deal to be afraid about. 
And it's very easy in our own lives. Uh, we encounter similar difficulties. We do swim with sharks. And yet we have an armed encampment in the Lord God. Remember the text. The Lord encamps around those who fear Him and rescues them. So verse 7 reads that he was uh, very afraid and distressed. He's terrified and distressed. Uh, the word uh, distressed um, uh, conveys the notion uh, of being in a very narrow space, very cramped space that's pressing hard against you. Uh, like to create a surreal event for you. Uh, imagine here in our church if the walls were beginning to move in. Uh, north and south and east and west. We would all get clustered together and we'd say, oh, oh, power socks, throw the other switch. You know, they're, they're just cramping it. And at some point, we, I mean, we would be, we would be terrified. And that's the point of the fact that Jacob is, is terrified. He is, he is distressed. Uh, and it's worthwhile to remember that he's forgotten that he has an army who's with him. He has an armed guard. Uh, in the angelic forces. So what does he do? Well, he eventually remembers God. Thankfully, he remembers God. And so we transition in verses 9 to 12 that out of fear, he does what you and I always do. He prays. He prays. And his prayer is, as we should expect, uh, addressed to God. Uh, the Hebrew word is much more important, uh, Elohim. Uh, it's a word very, very prominent in the book of Genesis uh, because God is the creator, and that's the essence of the use of uh, the word Elohim. Uh, in the Hebrew, it's uh, in the plural because it's the plural of majesty uh, and that God creates. And he says, O Creator, God of my father Abraham and Isaac. It's a subtle reminder that God, you protected them and now protect me. And he reminds God in verse 9, uh, you, you promised to prosper me upon my return. So again, when he leaves, uh, the angels are with him. When he comes back, the angels are with him. A promise of uh, protection as he transit back to the land in which he has to ultimately meet the man that he lied to, he tricked and he deceived, and essentially he stole from. Uh, so he thinks he's uh, violently angry coming to get revenge. That's what people do. They want to get revenge and they want to get even. At least that's what he thinks. Uh, the word for prosper in the text is literally cause, cause me good. Make it good for me. Uh, if you look in uh, uh, the promise of God to Jacob in chapter 31, verse 3, then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives. Period. There's not a period there, is there? What's the promise of God to Jacob? You return, and I will be with you. 
So he devote, he invokes the divine ability, the presence of God, the great rescuer, the great deliverer, and confesses his own inability, as we all should. He says, I'm unworthy. Literally, I'm unworthy. He is stating that I am small and insignificant. And indeed he is. He's one man against an entire battalion of armed and dangerous and angry men. I'm small and insignificant. By the way, it's good to remember that. Because that's, that's who God helps. Jacob doesn't pray, uh, Lord, I've been doing my push-ups. I've been uh, running uh, two miles and getting ready um, um, during curls with my bow. Jacob knew nothing. He, he was not a hunter. Didn't have a bow. No, God helps the helpless. He doesn't help the strong and mighty. And that's the essence of his prayer. Lord, I am tiny. I'm going up against uh, uh, a power that I am unable uh, to be safe from, except for you. Uh, I remind you of the essence of his prayer because it means that 20 years in the College of Discipline has humbled him, which is a remarkable trait for the children of God. Uh, be very careful of pride in your life. Uh, hold and dance close uh, with the virtue of humility, and it will serve you well. And more importantly, your partner will serve you well. In this case, the Lord God of heaven and earth. In contrast, uh, Jacob says, you are the God. Hebrew word uh, is hesed. Uh, it is used over and over again in the Old Testament of God's covenantal loyalty. That God makes a covenant with Abraham and puts Abraham to sleep before he consummates a covenant, meaning that the entire safety and protection of Abraham is in the loyalty of God. That God is loyal to his people. He is always on station because of the contract he made with Abraham while he was asleep. So you are the con, you are the God, Jacob is saying, of loyal love. That's something of, I think, the better way to translate the Hebrew word chesed, loyal love. What a remarkable quality. All of us have uh, grown up uh, in the families, sometimes in difficult times. Uh, but sometimes, remarkably, we grow up in families in which there is great love and there's great loyalty. Uh, well, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you are in such a family of the loyalty of God. Not just His loyalty that's perfunctory or automatic, but it's loyal love that cares for His sons and daughters. You are the God of Loyal love and truth, verse 10. Now, I love the concept of covenantal loyalty. I might translate it a different way. Uh, think of it in terms of a contract. 
God makes a contract. Old covenant, new covenant. New covenant uh, affected by the blood of Christ. Contractual loyalty. All over the world today, men and women are being sued because they haven't been loyal in their contractual duties. Not God. Because the entirety of the covenant that He makes with us is based upon His sovereign grace. He does for us what we could not do for ourselves. He blesses us when we had no merits whatsoever to earn or deserve His blessings. So that the contract we has with us is based upon Christ and His shed blood. And because we are in Christ, the covenantal loyalty uh, is close with us throughout our lives. Uh, one of the words that's often used in the book of Genesis to describe uh, God's uh, covenant with Abraham is the modifier everlasting. If you know Christ, His covenantal loyalty with you is everlasting. His contract with you is everlasting. Based upon what? Your strength? Your ability? Because you did something? No, because Christ did something. In fact, uh, I might go a step further and say Christ did everything for you because you could not do for yourself. Everlasting covenant of grace. Indissoluble union with Christ. And therefore, safe forever. Very fond of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Uh, Paul says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to mankind. But God is faithful and will make a way of escape. And that's what God does. God is a faithful God. God is faithful. In other words, He is loyal to His covenant people. There is never a time in which He is not loyal because that would be a denial of His own existence and who He is as God. Uh, his petition before God is deliver me, save me because I'm afraid He will come and strike me or kill me and kill my family. Now we know immediately from verse 11 that that prayer is, is based upon an absolute impossibility because there's no way Esau can kill him. Why is that? I've just told you why. Because God's covenantal protection is upon Jacob. That he's going to prosper him and bring him good. It's a worthwhile prayer. I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't pray sometimes in that way. But it's absolutely impossible because of who God is. Then he reminds God of his promises to prosper and multiply him. Uh, by the way, that's a very important way to pray. Give God's word back to God. Because it's his word. And it's our reminder as we recite his word back to him that God will be loyal to his word. Because God cannot and does not lie. And God cannot forsake his sons and daughters. And neither does he ever leave them. Uh, the importance 
as Christians is to know the attributes of God fundamental to the faith. Verses 13 to 21, out of fear, he sends gifts to appease Esau and ask for forgiveness. Um, I had to get out my calculator in this text. I, I was kind of amazed. Uh, there are over 550 animals involved. Uh, now you talk about a gift for appeasement. That's a gift. Uh, I mean, sometimes we try flowers or boxes of candy or whatever it is we try. 550 animals is this appeasement. I mean, I have no problem with acts of kindness to a potential enemy asking for forgiveness or attempts to defuse a difficult circumstance. But in my mind, uh, Jacob had really kind of gone overboard. The first, uh, the reason I say that is because he inverts the order of the divine oracle in Genesis chapter 25 that the elder, namely Esau, will serve the younger, namely Jacob. So Jacob, in this case, is the Lord. Esau, the servant. He's inverting the order because of the fear that grips him. I know sometimes we, well, maybe you don't, but I've certainly done a number of stupid things when I'm terrified. I think that's really what I'm trying to say, respecting the accents of Jacob here. Let's look at uh, the covenantal blessing uh, that his father gives him before he departs to go to Laban's house, house uh, chapter 27 and verses 28 and 29. Now may God give you of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. His own father, who is transmitting the Abrahamic covenantal blessings to his son, is granted safe passage, as well as the blessings of God. Uh, you and I, by the way, because of Christ our Redeemer, are granted spiritual safe passage from this world to the next. All of the forces of the kingdom of evil cannot get at our souls because we have a protector. If they could, none of us would ever transit safely to heaven because the forces are too powerful, too great. But we have safe passage because of Christ. So he has his servants uh, convey to Esau that Jacob is his servant. Verses 1820, and they are used to use the title of Lord when referring to Esau. Verses 4 and 18. Uh, I think he's inverted the order uh, that the older shall serve the younger, uh, and that Jacob is the Lord, because God gave him that title. Secondly, he asks for forgiveness. Um, Jacob says, I will see his face and perhaps he will accept me. Literally in the Hebrew Bible, lift up his face as an idiom. Verse 20 for forgiveness. Uh, as, as he should ask for forgiveness. You wrong someone, go ask for forgiveness. That's a very difficult thing, sometimes even for Christians to do. Uh, 
Sometimes uh, Christians harbor resentment and they just simply can't shake it. You just, you know. Barisak, should I forgive? Yeah, 70 times 7. Forgive. Just let it go. God makes things right. Uh, but if you've wronged a brother or sister in the faith, ask for forgiveness. And they'll give it to you. You know why? Because it's the exact bridge that they must walk across on their way to heaven, namely that God has forgiven them. I think it's kind of sad. I mean, I know a number of Christians who uh, have wronged people who just simply they can't bring themselves to humble themselves to ask for forgiveness. Uh, I would encourage you to really think hard about that. Uh, nonetheless, he's going to ask for forgiveness for the brother they wrong. Uh, but he should also remember that the promises of God to him and the covenantal everlasting blessings are the controlling factor that should govern his lives. That God is the deliverer. That's what God does for his sons and daughters because that is who God is for his sons and daughters. He'd learned this in his dealings with Laban. Laban was incredibly angry with Jacob and came with his sons to pursue after him, to do him harm. God delivered him. I suspect everyone in this room who knows Christ can think back of events in their lives when they can look back and say, you know what? God was with me. I was swimming with the sharks and he protected me. By the way, I was reading a number of uh, years ago of a story of one of these super athletes uh, uh, who does all the running and the uh, swimming and bicycle riding. This guy was swimming the English Channel. Uh, not a light swim, by the way. Um, while he was swimming, he noticed a pot of dolphins was with him. Delightful thing to see, a pot of dolphins. You're not swimming alone. But he also noticed way beneath them was a shadowy figure. Only turned out to be a shark. It was following him. Meaning that the dolphins were protecting him from the shark. So Jacob is protected from the recriminations of his angry brother. Um, I, I think it's very important to convey humility and show respect, uh, kindness and love, but also to honor the word of God, uh, that God said that the elder will serve the younger. Uh, uh, he should have gone in forgiveness and perhaps given a gift. I'm not so sure 550 animals is... Uh, quite necessary, but uh, he's terrified. I get that too. Um, uh, but um, God, God has has been with him, and we'll watch this story play out. Uh, and God's going to teach Jacob this in subsequent lessons. Uh, but this is a reminder that uh, God uh, promises uh, us protection throughout our lives. In the New Testament, uh, the major force of that protection is spiritual. Uh, we have uh, spiritual protection. We are sealed by the spirit of promise uh, to get from point A, this world, to the world to come, point B, by the spirit of promise, sealed. And because we are sealed 
Ephesians 1.13, we have safe passage. It's like our passport. The sealing of the Spirit. Uh, one of my great uh, promises that uh, I love to remind myself sometimes uh, when I am uh, terrified, I encourage you to turn in the Psalter to Psalm 91. Uh, we do not really know the particular author of the psalm. Uh, in my own mind, uh, he is a soldier. Uh, and the reason I say uh, I believe he is a soldier because if you look at verse 5, he's not afraid of the arrow that flies by day. Well, who who confronts arrows that flies by day? Well, in this particular time, soldiers do. Uh, he goes on to write in verse 7, A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. Where can that be but the battlefield? where arrows are raining down and the man to his left and his right are falling, having been pierced in their hearts. But doesn't come touch him. By the way, I would remind you, uh, we live in a terrific battlefield, flaming arrows from the kingdom of evil. And God controls them all, deflects them all, so that they cannot touch our souls. Uh, would... Would they could, none of us would ever make it in transit this life. Our protector is sovereign. Our protector is the creator. Our protector is known as the deliverer. It's who God is and what he does for his people. The psalmist begins by extolling the presence of God as his refuge and fortress. Look at Psalm 91. In verse 2, I will say to the Lord, he's confessing to the Lord, you are my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Reminds me of Luther's hymn, a mighty fortress is our God. Verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. That's soldier language. God is my shield. God is my fortress. And therefore, verse 5, I will not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day. Because of who God is, He knows that no evil will befall Him. Look at verse 10. The promise of God to all of His saints, no evil will befall you. That's why I'm affirming to you the forces of evil though they desperately want to get at you, cannot because of your God. Then he recounts the promise of God in a parallel to Jacob's experience with angels. Let's look at uh, verse 11 to 13. For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down. Uh, this text is found in the New Testament, as you know, in the temptation of our Savior. The devil comes to tempt our Savior and says, throw yourself down. Remember the promise of God of Psalm 91, 11 to 13. So what is Satan doing? Quoting Scripture. He knows it. 
He will also use it sometimes to deceive people. We should quote Scripture back to him. Jesus says, be gone, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Scripture to defeat the deception of Satan. But true nonetheless, he will give his angels charge concerning you. That's, that's our safe passage. Uh, I also love Romans 16.20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. By the way, the context, uh, Romans 16, 20, that promise is that false teachers are in the church. Uh, we do swim with sharks, and sometimes they're in the church. And uh, Paul is warning, as he should, but we have the promise of the God of peace. Uh, so verses 1 to 13 are the psalmist's confession this soldierly confession of who God is and His care for His sons. And so God hears the confession of verses 1 to 13, and now God steps on the scene and answers the psalmist, the soldier, the warrior. Verses 14 to 16. Because He has loved me, therefore I will deliver Him. I will set Him securely on high because He has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With a long life I will satisfy him and let him behold my salvation. That's our passport to heaven. The presence of God. The covenantal loyalty affected by the blood of Christ. We are safe because of who God is and what he does. The great deliverer. I will answer his prayers. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue and honor him. I will give him a long and satisfying life. And I will show him my salvation. Uh, next time you're terrified, I don't know what it might come from. Uh, in my case, it was calculus exams in college. I said, how am I going to get out of this? Uh, but I've uh, throughout my business career, I was always terrified. My goodness, if we lose that account, we'll go under. Uh, and there's evil people, false teachers. But if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, He will be and do the same for you. If you're not a Christian, it's a compelling reason. You will not make it out of this world alive. And your soul will perish forever. All of us are going to die, but our soul will live forever. And God will give it safe transit to heaven in His presence. Not so the wicked. It's a compelling reason to sue for peace. The God of peace who made peace through Jesus Christ. And because of the blood of Christ, uh, we have no condemnation. Having been justified by faith. No condemnation. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It's true that this psalm turns upon us spiritually, but we shall see the deliverance. And we shall see His eternal salvation and vindication. Psalm 27.3 Though a host, the psalmist says, encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Because of God, His deliverer. 
I'm very fond of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Uh, Paul uh, reminds us of, of uh, the importance of, of prayer. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart through Jesus Christ. Jacob prayed, we should pray. It's what Christians do. And they will do when they're in trouble. As they find and remind themselves of God's covenantal protection that is everlasting. One of my great uh, reminders of this uh, truth is First uh, John chapter five and verse four. Having been birthed by God, we overcome the world. We are the victor because Christ has secured the victory for us. Uh, we are overcomers because of the new birth. The new birth accomplished by the sovereign power of God. The world desperately wants to stop our journey to heaven. We are the overcomers. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, we are super overcomers because of him who loved us. So this is our answer to fear and anxiety. Namely, we have an alliance with God. Or more importantly, he is our ally in our transit to everlasting life.